TBCH welcomes children in hard places with the love of Christ. That's our tagline. That's what we tell people we do, and that's what we try to live up to is welcoming children in hard places. Uh, our children come from a variety of places. You heard some of those stories on that video. Sometimes they're, they're homeless. Sometimes they've been neglected. Sometimes um, mom and dad are just at their wit's end. It's, a, it's an interesting statistic that a significant number of our children who are in our residential care uh, are adoptive children. And um, the trauma they experienced when they were very young begins to display itself uh, about the time they hit puberty and um, parents begin to struggle. And so sometimes we work with their children while uh, they're getting some training about how to different uh, how to parent differently, um, so that we can reuni reunify those families uh, in a in a more positive uh, relationship and for the success of them and um, for the well-being of their family. So what a joy it is to be with Trinity Baptist Church today. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Pastor Mark. Uh, and, I, and I'll say I didn't throw a club and Mark didn't say a bad word yesterday, so it's, it's pretty good, you know. He probably was pretty tired last night because he was carrying our team most of the day. Um, uh, but we had a great time, great day. So if you were out there yesterday, thank you for that. Uh, it was it was fun. It was a blast. Uh, beautiful day the Lord gave us, and uh, thanks for helping us raise a little money uh, so we can try to take care of some kids. Thank you for giving to the Mother's Day offering. Um, you know, we get that. Sometimes we get the question, how much of the golden, golden offering for Tennessee Missions do you guys receive? We don't receive any of that money because we have the opportunity to ask every church in the state to take a Mother's Day offering or give to us in their World Missions offering, however they do that. Um, and so when you give to the Mother's Day offering, when you do a golf fundraiser, when you give to your church's budget and your church gives to the cooperative program, we get four, per, four cents on the dollar of the cooperative program. And so you, you're really supporting us in some ways maybe you didn't even, we weren't even aware of. Um, and that four cents, while it doesn't sound like a lot, it translates to about $1.4 million a year. And uh, so that really helps us with church giving, corporate program giving. That attributes uh, half of what it takes to operate the Tennessee Baptist Children's Homes for the year. So we're grateful to you for that. Um, you might be wondering what else you can do. There's always kinds of, always other opportunities to serve. Um, we now have a home that we have just reopened in Kingsport. You know, we've been kind of quiet up here in the Northeast for the last several years. We had a home in Kingsport. I think we shut it down in 2013 because of financial uh, situations and things like that. And that house is set over there on 1775 Stratford Road, uh, kind of just being abandoned for several years. Uh, when I came on board, I would just go by every now and then. And, and Lisa and, and Billy, my sister and brother-in-law, they'd go by and check on it because we have to do these ins building inspections for our accreditation. So they're going to walk in a spider webby home and uh, making sure nobody else is in there no critters are in there and all that kind of stuff so we would just check on it from time to time and uh, we were in there and a couple of weeks later we got a call from the water department in kingsport and said we just want you to know your driveway is a sheet of ice and we don't have any rain or snow over here um and um we're like would you please turn the water off and they said we actually have already done that did you know that $10,000 worth of water, not gallons, thousands worth of dollars um, had, had 
come out of the ceiling, busted pipes, thermostat battery went bad, it wasn't connected to the electricity, and ceilings and ceiling fans had blades on them about that long. Everything came down in that house. Well, that's kind of a blessing in disguise, if you will. First of all, Kingsport gave us the 10 grand back because we promised we'd never file another claim. Um, and, um, but we took that insurance money and we've restored that home. Uh, it is absolutely beautiful on the inside. And so a month and a half ago, we just put a young couple in there who has their own little son, and they are foster parents. It's now a foster home, not a residential home. What does that mean? Well, it means that we own the home. We pay for everything in the home. We pay the water, pay the electricity. We pay for them to have the Internet and a television, for that matter. They don't pay anything to live there. Uh, because they're there as volunteers to take care of children in the foster care system. And so that home has the ability to take care of eight children in addition to their own little boy. Uh, there's five in there today. The, the day they were approved, they put DCS uh, placed five children with us in that home. So we're kind of back up here in the Northeast uh, with ministry, and we have now hired a young lady. Uh, she's from Kingsport, has grown up in Kingsport, goes to church in Kingsport, educated uh, in the area as well. Uh, she's our case manager. Her name is Sydney Mintz. And uh, so she's, uh, she's green now. She's right out of, out of college with, a, with her degree. And, but we're going to train her, and she's going to be recruiting additional foster families in this area. So if the Lord would impress it upon your heart to be a foster parent, uh, please get in touch with me. Pastor Mark knows how to find me. Uh, my sister knows how to find me. Pastor Chris knows how to find me. Um, and we'll connect you with Sydney and let you know when our next training classes will begin. Um, but if you want to help us by supporting that family, taking them a meal. Can you imagine the blessing it is for a foster family that's got five additional children Seven people, let's say five, six, seven, that's eight people in the home with one of your own kids. Uh, can you imagine the blessing it is for someone to say, hey, we're going to bring you supper on this certain day, and they don't have to worry about cooking that big meal? Oh, that's such a treat. So there's all kinds of ways you can be a part of that. If you want to go by and do some work outside on the property, that helps us. Feed the family, that helps them. All of it helps kids uh, that Jesus loves and that we're trying to welcome uh, with the love of Christ. We do this unashamedly in Jesus' name. Uh, that's why we don't take any government funds. DCS does not pay us as an agency to place children in their custody in our homes from Kingsport now to Memphis. Um, we have 100 children today in foster care placed with our team, and we only recruit Christian moms and dads uh, because we want them to be placed where they'll be influenced by the gospel. Uh, on our residential campuses, uh, that's in Chattanooga, and that's in Brentwood, and that's our ranch in Millington. We have 88 beds available for children and young people who have found themselves in difficult spots. Um, we take those children there from a variety of places. Uh, just know that today, moms and dads got up and have gotten 150 children to church today. Unless one of them was sick or so, you know, and maybe we have to make some adjustments. But that's what you're helping us do. And I want you to know I appreciate Trinity Baptist Church and your faithfulness to us, your generosity toward us. It's been a pleasure to hang out with Pastor Mark uh, the last couple of mornings. Uh, we've had a good time. So 
why do we do what we do? Um, if you'll study the scriptures and see what God says he will do for those people who cannot take care of themselves, particularly there were three groups of people in scripture that the Lord said my people will have special interest in. You remember those? The widows, the orphans, and the stranger or the alien or the refugee. God said, I don't care how they get into our presence. God said, my people will care about those people who have no way to take care of themselves. God says, I will defend their cause. I will deliver them. I will rescue them. He says, I will be their helper. I will lift them up. I will extend mercy. He says, I will incline my ear to them. I will uphold their cause. I will be their father. I will vindicate them. He says, I will give them food and clothing. I will secure justice on their behalf. I will give the lonely a home. I will not forget them. And he says, I will give them compassion. And if you'll allow me to, I want to camp there for a few minutes today to talk about how the Lord shows compassion, what happens in him when he's moved by compassion. So specifically, as we look at the life of Jesus and we read in the scripture that he is moved with compassion, Jesus always responds to a person in need when the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Let's start, if we might, by defining the word just so we can get a good ground, uh, a good ground level to start on. Compassion is deep sympathy and sorrow accompanied by the desire to alleviate the suffering. So we can't stop with that definition at deep sympathy and sorrow. That's feeling sorry for people. I feel sorry for a lot of people. You know, as I ride up and down the road from Kingsport now to Memphis and from Chattanooga up to where I live in Portland, uh, there's often days on the road on the interstate I pass by my little Waze app. Anybody of you, does any of you use Waze to get you places? Have y'all ever heard of Waze? Okay, I'm just, your arm's working. Okay, that's good. All right, good. I'll use the Waze app. You know, my wife uses Google Maps, and I'm like, Waze is going to get us there faster. And, you know, we just have a competition. We've got two GPSs going on when she's with me. Uh, but I use the Waze app, and it'll tell me when a car is pulled on the side of the road 0.4 miles ahead. I always have a good time saying if it's there or not there, you know. It just kind of keeps me engaged in the drive, especially if I'm by myself. Very seldom do I stop, but I feel sorry for them. I have deep sympathy. I have sorrow for them, but I mean, I'm not a mechanic. They don't need me to stop because that might keep somebody else from stopping. You know, they're like, hey, somebody's got them. No, I don't have them. I'm just calling to say I care. But So I just kind of keep going by, unless it's a lady by herself and the visible problem is a flat tire. I'm compelled to pull over. I can change a tire. So beyond that, I just kind of feel sorry for them. You see people you feel sorry for. You see people that you think, I hate that for you. I hope things get better for you. But that's not compassion. Compassion is having that deep sympathy and sorrow accompanied by the desire to do something about the problem. Then we have entered into the realm of compassion and our God is a compassionate God our Savior is a compassionate Savior and therefore us as Jesus followers who want to be like him ought to be people of strong compassion 
So let's look at three places today. I'm going to share three verses of Scripture with you from three different chapters and three different books. Um, and I'll tell you what's going on in each scenario. For the sake of time, we won't read them all, but we'll read the, the focal verses, okay? Matthew chapter 14, if you want to turn there in your copy of God's Word, pull it up on your phone. The focal verse will be on the screen. John the Baptist has just been beheaded. It's a gruesome story. I mean, there's some twisted people in the world. There always have been and there always will be, it seems, until Jesus comes and makes everything right. Um, but John the Baptist had been arrested by Herod. His wife, who John the Baptist said, you don't have any business having her as a wife. She didn't like John the Baptist anyway. And her daughter was going to dance for the king and his guests. Knowing that she's very beautiful, knowing that he was going to be pleased, the king foolishly says to her, I'll give you anything you want. And her mom had coached her to say, when the king says that, you say, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Is that not twisted? Well, that's exactly what happened. The king, even though grieved in his heart because he had said it in front of his guests to keep his word, John the Baptist's life comes to an end tragically and gruesomely. The disciples went and told Jesus about that event. And the Bible tells us that Jesus then, in Matthew 14, Jesus got in a boat to go to the other side of the lake. What was he doing? Well, Jesus was fully human as well as fully God when he walked the earth. And he was wanting some time to think, some time to pray, some time to grieve, some time to be alone. He was already in this ministry mode. There's already people, man, he was the hottest ticket in town. They were already enamored by what he said and blown away by what he was doing. So they definitely wanted to be around Jesus to see what's coming next. But he needed some alone time. John the Baptist is dead. He loved him. They were distant kin. They knew each other before they were born. You remember that story, right? Elizabeth, pregnant with John the Baptist, six months along. Mary walks in her presence. Jesus, the, the Jesus baby in her, in her little belly. John the Baptist wept in his mother's, leapt in his mother's womb when they got into each other's presence. Want to talk about the sanctity of human life and when life begins? A whole nother sermon, right? But Jesus and John knew each other before they were born. And Jesus is moved and grieved and need a little bit of alone time that's understandable isn't it get away get it together get back into the ministry but the problem was that the people hundreds and hundreds and actually a few thousand knew that Jesus was going to the other side and they go around on foot and what happens when Jesus gets to where he's trying to go there they are you ever tried to vacation away from your family and turn around there they are and the Bible says in Matthew 14, 14, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt, what's the word, church? Compassion for them and healed their sick. Notice what happened. Jesus was moved with compassion. No more was he thinking about alone time. No more was he thinking about prayer time. No more was he thinking about grieving time. He was moved with compassion at their need, and he healed their sick. Folks, compassion will change your schedule. I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you have certain things that you want to accomplish in a day. 
Maybe you operate with a to-do list. For a while, my wife insisted that I write a to-do list. You know what? I was very productive with that to-do list, but I just don't like to-do lists too much. I know what I got to do. Maybe I get it done. Maybe I don't. But I'm productive when I think about it ahead of time. Well, what happens then when something happens out of the ordinary? Then your schedule's messed up. And some of you that are uh, just crazy about keeping your schedule and having a plan. I mean, some of you go on vacation like that. You know, you have everything you're going to do every day you're on vacation. My goodness, you wear me out. You know, let's kind of take a little bit of something as it comes, you know. Uh, let's just kind of chill. Don't count the days. Make the days count. It's my motto when I go on vacation. Don't be looking at each day. This is it. And at three, 10 o'clock, this is it. And at 3 o'clock, this is it. You're wearing me out. But some of you, that's the way you live. I'm telling you, compassion will interrupt our schedules. They'll cause us, it'll cause us to be late to an appointment. It'll cause us to miss a meal because we've prepared another meal for another family. It'll cause us, our yard, to grow higher because we're going to mow somebody else's yard because what's happened in their family this week. Compassion will cause you to change your schedule. I'm on our ranch back, I just started at TBCH. Um, and our church at First Baptist Portland, we have kind of a love affair with our ranch. We have a 250-acre working cattle ranch in Millington. That's for 24 teenage boys until we enlarge that campus uh, in the near future with three additional homes. And we'll have some girls and younger boys out there as well. And so we're there, and it's a ranch. I mean, we got it's a cattle ranch. We sell cattle, and we cut hay, and we have donkeys, and we have goats, and uh, we have chickens, and uh, you name it, they're, they're out there. And so we're out there on the ranch, and there's one area that's kind of in the woods, and it's hard to get a mower in there or a bush hog in there, and it's just hard to keep everything cut down. And we really like to keep the property the Lord's blessed us with looking like it belongs to the Lord. We want it with excellence is what we say we do our work with. Uh, we want our campuses to look like that. So we decided we would build a goat fence around that acre or so property and put our goats in there. Any of y'all have goats? Anybody know what a goat is? Okay. All right. And you know what a goat eats? Everything. Goats eat everything. And so we put them in there, and they'll chew that down and just manicure that for us. Well, my job then was to take two of our boys from our church, two boys from the ranch, and we're going to put all the posts in the ground to hold the fence. Now, you know what a post driver is. You get that metal T-post, put it in the ground, and bing, 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 until that thing is where you want it, and that's where you stop. Well, I thought, man, we start doing that in the morning. I want to be deaf by the end of the day. We've got like 125 of these T-posts to drive into the ground, and that was my, so here's my idea. 7 o'clock that morning, I'm at Walmart. I'm going to buy some earplugs, just those orange, squishy kind, you know, you stick in your ears for shooting skeet or mowing the yard or weed eating, that kind of stuff. I figured I'm, I need to say I'm getting older. I'm, I'm already hearing ringing sometimes and for no reason. Um, so I need to protect my ears, protect my boys. So I'm walking in Walmart, and it is not, not, the only cars in the parking lot's employees of Walmart and me. And I'm going in there, and there's an old guy sitting on the ground right outside the door, leaned against the wall. And he says, sir, can you? And I said, I'm sorry, sir, I can't do anything for you today. I blitzed right by him, and I got about to where the buggies are kept in there. And the Lord kind of whispered to my spirit, who do you think you are? 
And quickly I was grieved that I mean, I blew the guy off. I didn't give him the time of day. Lied to him, told him I couldn't do anything for him. Boy, I had a wad of mission money in my pocket from First Baptist Church. Wasn't even mine. And they wouldn't care a bit if I gave him any of it. So here's what I did. I picked up a honey bun, the breakfast of champions. I grabbed an orange juice and a banana. And I grabbed my earplugs. And I'm kind of trotting through the store. I mean, there's nobody in there but staff and me. Nobody's at the register but me. I'm not in that store seven minutes. I got everything I needed. I'm out. I'm going to go talk to the guy, apologize to him for blowing him off, see if I can have a conversation with him. The only problem was he was gone. I looked all over the parking lot for him. I mean, I had his breakfast. He was gone. I drove around the back side of the store. I looked for him for 15 minutes and never found him. If he was an angel sent to test Greg McCoy, Greg McCoy miserably failed in the compassion department that day. A month later, I'm in the same parking lot at the gas pumps. I'm on the end filling up my truck, and a lady pulls up in a car, and it is running rough. It is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm waiting for the Uncle Buck backfire any moment and this car to die. And she said, sir, can you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I can. I'm not saying you ought to give money to everybody that asks for it, but I'm just telling you I wasn't going to miss it in the same parking lot in the same month twice. I pulled out a $20 bill and handed it to her, and she said, oh, God bless you. And I said, ma'am, take care of that baby. She had a baby in the back seat, another young lady in the passenger seat, just a little bit, of, of just not much money. I hadn't missed it, but I just didn't want to be that slow. Sometimes I'm slow to compassion. I don't want to be. Why? Because Jesus wasn't. And we got to pay attention to people in our lives. And I want to warn you, listening to a message like this will cause you this week to have the opportunity to show compassion. And you, you got to have your eyes open. Don't blow it like I did. I'm giving you fair warning. Somebody's going to need you this week and you can be Jesus to them by showing them Compassion. Compassion will change your schedule. Slow down. Stop what you're doing. Call somebody. Say, hey, it's going to be a few more minutes. Whatever it takes, don't blow by the opportunities for compassion. Let's look at Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. What's happening? Jesus is preaching. He is casting out demons. He's causing the blind to see. He's causing the lame to walk. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and people are loving that. And so much so, one guy who was pretty bad off got in his path that day. And this man, the Bible says, was a leper. When I was a kid, um, we used to sing a hymn, and they talked about the Lord can change the leper's spots. You know that song? I thought it was saying the Lord can change the leopard's spots. I'm like, well, I mean, the Lord gave them spots if he wants to change the spots. It's no, it was no theological problem for me. The Lord can change the leopard's spots. But it's a leper, and leprosy in Jesus' day was extremely serious. Um, you, 
sores on your body, your blood flow would be restricted. Eventually, sometimes your fingers would just fall off. You'd be wrapped up in um, claws all the time. If you went into town, you had to let people know you were there. Unclean, unclean, because nobody needed to bump into you inadvertently. If you got that leprosy, you would be removed from your family to live outside the city gates in a leper's colony. It was horrendous. And if you were a good parent... You would warn your children, do not mess with folks with leprosy. Don't touch them. Don't fool around with them. Don't even, don't be around them. It's too dangerous. But this leper comes and he positions himself in front of Jesus and he falls on his knees and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Well, the disciples weren't picking this guy up, moving him out of the way. Nobody's going to try to move him. And Jesus, the scripture says in Mark 141, moved with, what's the word? Compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and, listen, touched him and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. What are you not supposed to do with a leper? Don't touch him. Can you imagine the disciples as Jesus is reaching out and saying, I can just see two or three of them going, don't do that. And Jesus, how long had it been since that guy had felt the warmth of another human being's touch? You see, compassion, friends, will cause you to get your hands dirty. It'll cause you to serve people who are not like you who don't look like you, who don't smell like you, who don't take as many baths as you do, who don't have as many teeth in their head as you. It'll cause you to go to a third world country. It'll cause you to go to downtown Jonesboro and minister to people that need the Lord and need help. Compassion will cause you to get your hands there. You got to get beyond. You're better than that. I know that um, one of the questions the committee who was interviewing um, me as far as coming to the children's homes one of the questions one of the ladies asked, she said, Brother Greg, we, we know you to be kind of a hands-on guy. Can you come and lead a ministry and, and do the delegating you'll have to do? And I admit, it is a challenge. Um, but I said to them that day, I said, well, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think it hurts the president to get his hands dirty every now and then. You know, if we ever get to the place in our ministries or in our walk or in who we think we are that we're too good for some stuff, uh, we've, entered a, we've entered a dangerous place. So all of us can do what we think we can't do when it comes to serving those who are dirty or diseased. What's happening right now in our hospitals? Man, we got nurses and doctors every day serving people, and it's dangerous, is it not? It's dangerous. We got people who are not too concerned themselves that they are actually being the hands and feet of Jesus because compassion will cause you to get your hands dirty. Let's look at one more, okay, and I'll quit. Thank you for your patience. Let's go to chapter 7 of the Gospel of Luke. I tried to keep them in order for you so you don't have to get confused about going back or front. Just keep moving to the right. Luke chapter 7, what's happening? Well, Jesus and the disciples and a bunch of other people actually are on their way to a city called Nain, N-A-I-N. If you've been in Sunday school very long, you'll know this story as the widow of Nain. What's happening? Well, we've got a widow. That means her husband's died. 
In Jesus' day, one of the reasons God said, I want my people to take care of the widow and the orphan is because those are two groups of people who might have some specific needs in their plight. A widow, if she wasn't a self um, kind of educated and successful businesswoman, she would be at the mercy of her family, of her children, specifically her sons, if her husband died. And here this lady was a widow. Her husband had died. We don't know how long, and we don't know why. But right now, Jesus is witnessing a funeral procession coming out of the city gates. Her son, one and only son, had died. We don't know how, we don't know why, we don't really care at the moment, but he was dead. And they're walking him out, carrying his casket, and that she is following with friends, and they are crying, and they are wailing, and Jesus and his disciples sees this thing. They've seen it before. He's not the first person that ever died when Jesus lived, but they'd seen this thing. But some, for some reason, Jesus was moved. Look at verse 13 in Luke 7. When the Lord saw her, he felt, what's the word? compassion for her and said to her do not weep what an interesting statement made by Jesus in a time like that early on in my ministry someone told me keep a record of the weddings you do and of the funerals you do and I and they gave me a little book and it's the wedding and funeral record book pretty creative name wasn't it and the half of it's for weddings, half of it's for funerals. Now in that, and I still keep, and I have that book, and I've, this is 30 years old. Uh, so in that length of time, I've participated in a little over 80 marriage ceremonies and over 300 funerals. So my book's full, funerals, I've got all that on a computer now, but it helps me with remember families and names and things like that. Um, so I tell people, hey, listen, I can't guarantee you're going to get married, but I can promise you, you're going to die. You know, just the odds are you're going to die. Um, so I, I keep that. But not one time in over 300 funerals have I stood beside the casket of somebody that this person sitting beside me loved and said to them, don't cry. If there's ever a time to weep, it's at the grave of someone that you love. Is that not right? I mean, you would never hear Pastor Mark tell you not to cry when you're burying your parent or your sibling or your spouse or your child. I got to tell you, on my 30th birthday, I'm 58 years old, so it's been a few years. On my 30th birthday, I carried a little white box with the body of my second-born child, first-born son, and placed him in a grave. And if somebody had told me that day not to cry, I think I might have punched him in the face. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have experienced this kind of heartache. But Jesus says to this woman, Mom, you don't have to cry. Because we know what he's about to do. She didn't. The Bible tells us that he touched that box and that that young man came back to life. He sat up and began to speak. He just better be glad I wasn't one of his pallbearers. And the Bible says then that Jesus gave him back to his mother. Folks, compassion literally brings life out of death. Every time you show compassion to someone, you, because you're representing Jesus, will help them know life can come out of death. Every time there's a discouraged person, 
you can minister them in Jesus' name and encourage them. You see, we're dead in our sins until we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. Then we are alive in Christ. How do people come to know Jesus? So often it's because of the ministry of compassion. Because a Christian has treated them like Jesus would treat them. Loved them like Jesus loved them. Touched them like Jesus touched them. Served them like Jesus served them. And then they believe, hey, there's something to this. I want Jesus to be in my life. Then they find out that in him is life. In him is joy. In him is purpose. In him is peace. And compassion brings life out of death. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to respond to children in hard places with compassion to show them hope that is found only in Jesus. So this week, be ready. This week, be ready. The Lord's going to have someone in your path to whom he wants you to show compassion. I stand warned as well. Between here in Portland, Tennessee this afternoon, five-hour drive, if there's a lady on the side of the road by herself with a flat tire, I'll be there on my knees taking those lug nuts off. But sometimes it's even more serious than that. Someone in your family might be hurting. A neighbor might be in need. A loved one of a friend may go to glory. They're not home yet. They're almost home. Maybe they go home. And they'll need you to be compassionate. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for staying on the cross out of your compassion for us, knowing we were without hope. And you have paid the price so that we might know you and be reconciled to our Father. We praise you for that. Lord, help us to be your hands and your feet. Thank you, Lord, for this church who models this for their pastor and their staff who are regularly serving people I pray Lord you bless them thank you for their help in what we do for children Lord we really I just really ask that you'd help these folks be, continue to be a lighthouse for Jesus uh, may people come to know you as a result of the compassion that these folks show week in week out and I pray today that there's someone in the sound of my voice that needs to trust you as Lord and Savior of your life. Holy Spirit, please speak to their hearts. Disturb their spirit right now. And that may today be the day of salvation for them. And it's in Jesus I pray. Amen.